Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Time to bury the tired narrative. And uncover stories not typically heard, but stories that need to be heard. Right or wrong, life or death, this isn't your typical law show. This is Big Angry Law with Charles Big Angry Adams on KPRC 950. Now, Charles Adams. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Charles Big Angry Adams coming to you from the beautiful Mountain View. Mountain View. I can't even spend several days and I've forgotten how to speak. Uh, Mountain View, California, in the South Bay, just south of San Francisco. This is where all the tech wealth resides. I have had an interesting week here. You know, I apologize. Obviously, we haven't had a show since Monday. Tuesday, there was a preemption for the University of Houston Cougars. Go Cougs. Last night, there was a preemption, a partial one, and I just didn't get a show, a second-hour show done. Wednesday, I traveled and fully intended to do a show, but there was uh, apparently my very hard-working oldest child, who I'm here to visit, informed i guess the chief in her rotation at her hospital that i was in town and he let her off early she's doing 80 hours a week as a surgical resident and as any good father i decided that i would take her because i knew she was off thursday and i didn't get to see her last week for thanksgiving i decided i'd take her somewhere nice and I found what looked like, according to Michelin and everyone else, the, the nicest restaurant in the Palo Alto area, a place called Protégé, which was started by the former Grand Sommelier at the French Laundry. And we'll talk about that experience. We're going to talk about this Kanye craziness. We're going to talk about this crime that's really just breaking all over uh, the United States. And we'll talk about a horrifying incident in the United Kingdom where a man was sentenced to 22 months in prison for chasing after home invaders, which really speaks to this new mindset of not only should you not expect the state to fulfill its contract with society and fight against crime, that you should be cautious in your response to crime and your efforts to protect yourself because of the possibility of both criminals and civil liability, which just horrifies me. And when you combine that with the new math of prosecutors working intake, declining to accept like aggravated assault charges or other, or, you know, 
the changing robbery to simple theft and things to create this masquerade of, of public safety. It's all very horrifying. And there was an incident right here at the walking mall adjacent to Stanford at an Apple store that just happened this week that I want to talk about. I mean, there's just so much, especially when I don't do radio. There's just a snowball. And of course, I didn't do it the week before because of the holidays. So I feel like I'm both letting y'all down and I am equally letting myself down because, of course, this is cathartic for me. But I will tell you, I've enjoyed spending time with my daughter for the day she got off early. We made a reservation at a place called the Village Pub in a town called Woodside, which it and Atherton are apparently where the super wealthy live, right? Like the, the titans of Silicon Valley. But I was just looking, and it looked like, and, and the, the little small downtown area of Woodside is like a super wealthy person's ideation of what the, like a mountain village. And this village pub you walk in, it's very sumptuous. You know, there's red velvet on the wall. I don't know if that's just for the holiday season, but it felt very holiday. Uh, great giant wreaths, you know, very, your classic dark stained wood bar. Just a beautiful space. We walk in and I had an early reservation at 5.15 because I made it. She got off at like 2.30. I picked her up and we got some coffee and then she'd been working for 10 hours and was hungry. So we go in and it's largely empty. And they try to sit us at this little bitty cramped table right behind the hostess stand right next to the door. And it's cold. It was remarkably cold. And typically, I'll be honest, if I say something when I'm dining out with my wife or my daughter, I'm the bad guy. I don't know if y'all know how that math works, but you know, I'm the bad guy for, you know, not putting up with bull crap from people that, you know, these gatekeepers of the hoity toity that see you as less than, cause I am obviously, I am in a pair of blue jeans. I'm in some air force ones. I mean, they're very cool air force ones. Um, no, I wasn't wearing Air Force Ones. I was wearing uh, the Air Max Ones, the original version, like the late 90s. But the hemp ones had dropped a few months ago. Great tennis shoes. But I wasn't dressed like all the people dressed up to go eat at the Woodside Pub. But to my surprise, my daughter, the Dr. Adams, surgeon and you know not not like a doctor with a phd and whatever feelings people are whining about today but actual doctor the and, and i'm not being dismissive of people getting their phd i've got obviously got a juris doctorate but you'll never catch me using esquire or any of that nonsense i think doctor should be reserved for and, and i have friends that are kairos and di i think a doctor should just be a medical doctor but i'm not the gatekeeper of that so and, of course, we keep reducing barriers to academic doctors. And I don't know. I mean, I think if you're a professor, you should be doctor in class. But I don't think it. I don't know. I'm on a tangent. But anyway, she is apparently. But she's told me all these stories that I can't repeat on the radio that I'd love to repeat. But uh, of people condescending to her. But she uh, very quickly snapped up and said, you know, this. Because uh, the diary room was empty. She says, this is. Can we not sit so close to the door in such a tiny little space? And so then they. They moved us to what I would consider probably the nicest, like this velvet-covered booth in the back, kind of in the corner surrounded by art. And it's a sumptuous, beautiful space. 
but it was also a beautiful day. And that's where the complaints ended. Uh, our waiter, uh, Juan, was phenomenal, knowledgeable. The sommelier who was from Ohio and ended up there basically bouncing around during the pandemic uh, was great. And I'm not a sommelier guy. And, you know, they were, I wasn't drinking, but they were serving her champagne and, like, letting her taste it and stuff. And we were scoffing at the absurdity of it all. But uh, she said there, uh, well, when we get back, we'll talk about the dishes we had there. And I'm going to talk about one other restaurant. And then I promise we'll get to the politics. Big Angry Law with Charles Adams on KPRC 950. song and let it play too long but I absolutely do uh, I don't bring my mixing board uh, to travel the mic's also a little different it's a Yeti USB mic and I've played with the gain I don't know how it's going to sound but we're going to muscle through this uh, The so when we went to break I was talking about this village pub in Woodside that my daughter and I went to Wednesday night that I, I, will, I will tell you we got so we started with some truffle dish. It was one of those weird places where the meal is $96 flat. You pick four courses, and then there are a number of very expensive add-ons that you can substitute or add completely. And we did that with, and I'm, I'm not a big truffle guy, and neither is she, but we figured we'd try it. It was pretty phenomenal. Uh, it was a pasta dish, and we had it as an appetizer, and then we followed with with a lobster bisque we both got it that had had a potato and leek flan in it uh, but it was tremendous for my main i got a lobster uh, some sort of lobster noodle like a lobster spaghetti dish i'm sure it had a fancier name but it was pretty amazing but she got some scallops and some sort of red wine reduction that she claimed were the best bite of food she ever had uh, for dessert i had some were described as beignets, but they were not beignets. They were basically oversized donut holes that were served with a vanilla and a chocolate cream. And it was just all really an amazing meal. And it was a very comfortable meal, right? It was all, you know, it wasn't like a, it was a culinary experience, but it wasn't a, you weren't surprised. Everything was done perfectly well which is what I prefer right I'm not trying to dine out and have like hot cuisine and be fancy and I'm making this point for a reason 
So yesterday it's pouring down rain, but we drove out to Monterey for the Monterey Bay Aquarium, which was pretty amazing. And we got back and we're having dinner at this place, Protégé, which I had looked up knowing she was off Thursday. I was trying to find a fancy place to take her, you know, let her experience something nice on her day off and during her typical drudgery of residency. And this place, Michelin starred, yeah, the, apparently, like I said, the, the grand sommelier of the French laundry left to start this, or maybe still at the French laundry too. I don't know. But it was a very forward-thinking, very interesting cuisine. And they had a tasting menu or an a la carte menu if you sat at the bar. And at the bar, you had a beautiful view of the very open kitchen. And, of course, one of those where the bartender's referring to the chef as chef. And I mean, they take it very, very seriously. And the level of service was pretty amazing. But, again, so it's raining that day, pouring. And we got we were walking around Monterey near the aquarium afterwards looking for some coffee for my daughter, and it started pouring on. So we're soaked to the bone. So we go to – I drop her off at her apartment. I go to my hotel or townhouse. I go to my hotel. I change. But I only got one jacket, and it's this, uh, this fleece from, uh, from Harvard, and it's soaked. But, you know, it's my only jacket, so I put it on. And – it's cold, and we we're going to walk around, but I thought Proje was in downtown Palo Alto, but it's like a, a different area, and there wasn't much to walk. So we go in 35 minutes early or so. But to a largely, I mean, it's a Thursday night, and it wasn't a very busy space at 625. And I tell them we're here, and the person gets my name, and then, and then just walks off. And another person does it, another person does it, another person does it, and the fourth person looks at his watch and sighs demonstrably in this very condescending way. So again, as I was talking about in the first segment, like my knee-jerk reaction, and again, I'm in jeans and tennis shoes, but, you know, we're there to eat. And I'm I'm just not going to put up with the condescension. It was one of those kind of snide, condescending, and I respond, you know, very clearly, as I am wont to do. And so more management type kind of steps in and tries to explain that he didn't mean it like that. And of course, you know, yes, he did. And, you know, so of course to the point where my daughter was having the old response, which is aggravation at her dad for not tolerating people being rude based on perception of appearance and the appropriateness of whether or not you should be there, right? And I say this because I want to get the negative out of the way because then this guy, the, the second guy, is very nice. Wonderful, interesting fellow. Seats us. We sit at the bar. We're at the end. We end up sitting next to the conductor of the San Francisco Ballet, who was a fascinating guy. And had a wonderful conversation with this guy. And the food was crazy, right? Like, it was food that I wouldn't eat. Like, we had these, 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 I don't know if they're panko crust with these, these lion's mane mushrooms that were fried in some sort of batter. I don't even, I don't like mushrooms. Amazing. These oysters. I don't really eat oysters. Amazing. But just, I, I ended up with a pork chop. And, and actually, there's all these weird things in between. You can see them on my Instagram. All of them were just crazy amazing. And then the pork chop, I didn't really love. Um, I did, and she got a trout dish that I didn't really love either. But everything up to the mains, because we had what were called snacks and then appetizers, and I ordered all of the snacks except the caviar. We had, had caviar the night before. They were all just like this 
amazing, delightful, unexpected crap that I wouldn't eat. Because, you know, I eat crap. You know, I eat basic food. But I was trying to do this forever. And then we finish it with this apple pie. And have this bourbon ice cream on a, I think it was a caramel ganache. I can't even pronounce half the crap they were serving me, right? But the bartender, Danny, she's a vegan. So she was very informed about it. But she hadn't eaten a lot of the stuff. She was fascinated. The whole thing was fascinating. Also very expensive. But... You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, when you have a kid working 80 hours, 90 hours a week or however long she works in as a surgical resident who likes this kind of stuff, she does like fine dining, you got to go do that kind of stuff because life is fleeting. And if you just assume that these moments, you, you assume that the perception of being loved and supported is there, I think a lot of people are apt to make that assumption but it's important, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion, that there is an effort to, you know, to convey that very real emotion. And I think, you know, I think we did. I think I did. Cat is obviously in Houston with the dog. The, I mean, it was it was a wonderful experience. Uh, as protege and in the village pub, both of them are incredible dining experiences. If you make yourself, if you find yourself out this way, it's interesting on the, on the flight out, I sat next to, you know, up in the front to this former university of Ohio football player who was from Boston, but went out there uh, to play football, a fullback and stayed. And, you know, just a regular guy, uh, African-American guy from Boston didn't grow up with a lot made a start a security company he was actually found by from austin where he took the security company test to start a, a you know a company in in texas as well he's got security companies in austin and in, in california hawaii and a couple of other states obviously very successful has a kid that he gets 50 percent of the time with and he lives in hawaii and in the bay area fascinating guy a guy that came from nothing and built his own empire and he was telling me that he uh he killed Instagram, and he stopped talking about all the fun stuff. He, like, he took his kid to Paris, and his, his old friends were banging on him. And he just didn't want to deal with the hassle. And I talk about fancy stuff I do on here, and it seems to piss some people off occasionally. But when we get back, I'm going to further that thought, and then we're going to get to Kanye. Big. Angry. Law. With Charles Adams continues. Now we got that percolator. Never made a latte greater. I'm saving $23 a week. We drive to a house in Preston. We see police arresting a man with his hand in a bag. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I do promise that in this segment, finally, half an hour into the show, we will get to some substance and we'll talk about Kanye and Nick Fuentes' appearance on 
the Alex Jones Show, InfoWars, and I, I think regular listeners are more than aware of the very low esteem that I hold Mr. Jones in. What was interesting about that appearance was that even he seemed off-put by Kanye's rhetoric, which instead of trying to reimagine or, re, or restate for y'all, I will read in a moment. But let me return to my talking about these wonderful dining out experiences that we had in California and this conversation I had on the plane out here with this former, this kid that grew up in Boston, or is a grown man, but as a kid he grew up in Boston and then went out to Hawaii to play football and stayed. He said he didn't leave the island for 10 years and at some point set up his own security company and has been wildly successful and lives in Cupertino, which is where Apple is based, very expensive place to live in Hawaii, two very expensive places, and splits his time. Half the week he's with his son here in California and half the week he is away working uh, with his ex. And he was telling me about he killed his Instagram because of the animosity that a lot of people, uh, people that he grew up with, responded to pictures of him and his son in Paris or Egypt or exciting things they were doing. He's telling me they were planning a trip to to Japan and they were flying into Osaka because there is a theme park based on stuff that his son loves and it sounds like he's this sounds like he's doing a very a wonderful job co parenting with his ex and doing fascinating stuff with a kid with the spoils of the business that he built and this speaks to last week i talked about howard stern or maybe earlier this week i talked about howard stern attacking not physically but verbally attacking oprah winfrey on his radio show and i have problems with Oprah. like everyone and we might talk about this later but i, I you know, i've seen the picture of oprah kind of leeringly sitting next to harvey weinstein and a young ingenue and you think, well, how did she not know that he was a predator? How could they be friends, right? Uh, I don't have this delusion because I think there are a bunch of evil people in, all around the world of all races, all ethnicities, all backgrounds, all colors. And then there are a bunch of evil adjacent people that don't speak out or say anything. And I'm afraid that she's in that category. And if you want to criticize her, I would criticize her for that. But what Howard was criticizing her for was for basically having an authentic Instagram and putting pictures of her doing fun stuff with all of her money. And he thought that that was insensitive to people that didn't have money. And that he apparently hides his extravagance and wealth. I don't have any kind of money like, you know. You know, I spend too much money. I make a decent living, but I spend a lot of it. And I have always spent it on doing things with, for or with my family. And I get that. Like, I get listeners who complain, oh, he's bragging about this or bragging about that. Or the same thing on Instagram. When I was talking to this, this man I was sitting next to, who I, I would guess was probably late 30s, you know, decade, a little more than a decade younger than me, was that, if you're authentically talking about stuff you enjoy, like if people, if listeners are out in the South Bay out here and they're looking for a very comfortable, very beautiful dining experience, and I think it's Woodside Village, if you're looking for 
and exciting. You're going to eat crap that you never imagined you would put in your mouth, and it'll taste good, which is crazy. Like stuff like there's a pumpkin soup, right? Yeah, I hear pumpkin soup, and I said, ugh, you know, amazing. Every bite was amazing. There was some sort of patty of like seeds and stuff at the bottom, and they poured the soup on top of it, and they mix it. It's crazy, right? I hate mushrooms. I don't even know what a lion's mane mushroom is, right? These oysters. I'm not a big oyster guy. And it was a whole thing, right? And when I talk about this stuff, it's because I do have some listeners that like this stuff, and I enjoy the experience, and I like to memorialize it by talking about it with my friends. But, you know, this this interaction with the microphone and my listeners, I, I try to make a very personal one, right? And with this Kanye situation... I have a friend who, a personal friend, who has worked, done a significant amount of work with Kanye, artistic work, right? He has been a major factor in a lot of his most successful music. And as Kanye has slid off the deep end into this full embrace of Hitler, which people are trying to suggest it's not, I'm going to read his exact words to y'all. He was very clear about how horrified he was about it. And he's attacked on social media. I am sure, although I haven't spoken about it, I'm sure he tried to speak with Kanye directly and was likely rebuffed. But he has made it clear that he doesn't have any tolerance for the hatred. And I, I posted about it on Instagram that, you know, it's, it's, you know, I see this in my many industries, right? And, the legal industry, the uh, the personal injury business, and the civil defense business, in so many businesses that uh, so many types of law practices, where like when you have a hurricane and they rush down and start knocking on doors, or when someone dies and they have an intermediary or an investigator reach out to case run, or sometimes the lawyers do it directly. But it's really just preying on victims, and it's it's horrifying. But it's a way to make millions and millions and millions of dollars, and the state bar really fails to police it very much. And a lot of people, a lot of lawyers whose names are in people's mouths, make their money by a case running or employing case runners and have made tremendous wealth. And I just find it repugnant, and I won't have anything to do with it. And in this industry, if it's very easy to play this game, like right, I mean, if you're doing talk radio, if you don't want to do a personal talk radio experience, you're trying to make money. What you do is you take, you listen to other extreme voices, and you either make it funny or more angry, but always more extreme. You're speaking to a polarized audience, and you're seeking to, uh, seeking to incite or inflame them for money. And you don't care who sponsors, you just want sponsors. And you're willing to say into a microphone how wonderful anyone is if they're willing to pay you enough money to say it. And that is the business model for a great many. And much like you know, the photo of Oprah and Harvey, and of course, so you have all these wealthy, famous people who turn a blind eye to Harvey Weinstein. You had all these wealthy, powerful people who either just turn a blind eye to Jeffrey Epstein or, you know, partook in his evil, right? And there's been zero accountability. And when you saw this friend of mine, his name is Mike Dean, who has made it clear that he doesn't have any patience for the bile that Kanye is spewing, does so at his own economic peril. 
And I think you have to applaud people. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back by any means, but I think you have to applaud those people in the world who are willing to put their own beliefs or their own morality ahead of their own ability to make money, or in many cases, uh, greed, right? Which is a natural instinct for many. And so when I, when I talk about the things I do, I, I'm talking about it because I want to share it with the listeners. I'm not trying to impress anyone. I'm way over that. I could give a damn. Hate me, love me. I don't care. I do things for me and the people that are interested. And it's the same with my business is, you know, I want to be able to live with myself, right? I am obviously a hobbyist at this, but at the end of the day, we really need more voices like Mike that are willing to say, hey, I could sit here and be quiet. And that would probably probably be the best thing for my economic self-interest. Or I could stand up and say something publicly that this is, this is awful and it might threaten my economic future musically, especially with Kanye. But it's more important for me to do what I think is right. It's, it's like politics on the show. I'll say other things that a lot of traditional radio listeners find incredibly disagreeable. But at the end of the day, if you disagree or you agree, if you're listening to this show, you're going to hear my honest opinion. And I think that we all should strive to be as wonderful as me. Big. Angry. Law. With Charles Adams continues. Let's get to what Kanye said on InfoWars, which I would play, but again, I'm in California, so I don't have my mixing board, and I'm sure there's a way to do it on here, but I learned one thing, and I'm not that sophisticated. So, Jones, when seeking to minimize the weight of the prior anti-Semitism of Kanye. And I can get into his new buddy, Nick Fuentes' horrifying remarks about, and not just anti-Semitism, but uh, you know, racism, uh, misogyny, joking about hitting women until they behave. And age. But I, I largely see him as this awful... real-world troll that doesn't care about the damage he does if he can 
make a significant living saying horrible things, which is also the vehicle that many people use to make a name for themselves in the media space. And he has attached himself to Kanye, but it's not, I mean, at the point, it's pointless to regurgitate horrible things Fuentes says. He's just a human stain. And Alex Jones, who at times has been willing to say the things that other people aren't willing to say and to criticize power, he's also willing to embrace horrifying absurdities and evil like the whole crisis actor nonsense of Sandy Hook that has had horrible consequences in the real world for people because he is willing to exploit fanaticism to make himself a huge amount of money, which isn't a complicated math, right? It's, it's, what, it's what typically works. Uh, Kanye, I, you know, Kanye had money. Kanye is actually costing himself money by spewing the filth that he's spewing. So I think it's much far more likely to be downstream from some significant mental illness that he's exhibited for many years. It, you know, a unbounded narcissism. But, I mean, so, so Alex Jones says to him, you're not Hitler, you're not a Nazi, you don't deserve to be called that and demonized. And, and Jones was clearly pandering to, I mean, there has been a horrifying overuse of the, the, the barb Hitler and Nazi uh, directed at people uh, that are just happened to be conservatives or Republicans that has diluted, unfortunately diluted the weight of the term because the Third Reich was a statist machine of evil that was in, when we look at it in the historical context, we think about the, the attempted genocide of Jewish people and the rhetoric that blamed Jewish people for all the ills of German society as opposed to the reality that it was the warmongering of World War One and other things that, but I'm not going to, this isn't going to be a history lesson, but it's much easier instead of unpacking what's really going wrong to just find some group of people defined by a mutable characteristic and demonize them. And that is, it's the province of the stupid. But you know, Jones began by trying to point to the absurdity of how everyone's called a Nazi or everyone's Hitler if they're on the right side of the dial or the right side of the aisle. But Kanye's response was not at all what he expected. And what Kanye said was, well, I see the good things about Hitler also. I love everyone. And Jewish people are not going to tell me you can love us and you can love what we're doing to you with the contracts and you can love what we're pushing with the pornography you can't say out loud that this person ever did anything good and I'm done with that. He also said every human being has something of value that they brought to the table, especially Hitler. Also, Hitler was born a Christian. And then uh, they come back from break. Jones suggested that Kanye had a Hitler fetish and Kanye again responded, I like Hitler. He suggested that he takes issue with the word evil being next to Nazis. He says, he, I love Jewish people, but I also love Nazis. To a uncomfortable Jones, who, you know, it's shocking to see him having enough, he expressed that he had to disagree with that. 
And, I mean, so, let's see, continue. They want to separate and confuse the Christians and make us afraid to stand next to each other because Jesus can save everyone, but if the Zionists can get us so afraid that they're going to do what they've been doing to me, you put on the whole armor of God and they will not be able to break your spirit. In a, a mocking Benjamin Netanyahu, he said we, he's pretending to be the leader of the Jewish state. We have to control the history books. We have to control the banks. And we have to go and kill people. I mean, it's... His, his embrace of the... And minimization at the same time of the evil deeds of Adolf Hitler and his Third Reich. And, but it, let's just strip away all of that and... You know, and then you know I've said some things in a few weeks, and then I get all these anti-Semites that will message me, and it's well. Let me read. This is a comment that someone sent me on Instagram a while back in response to a post of mine, and this is what they said: Jewish supremacy is real, and I question why you vehemently deny its existence. Maybe you're Jewish, or someone in your immediate family is, but the truth can't be suppressed over hurting someone's feelings. Israel receives. Well, I mean, he just goes on to this explanation, and he. He culminates with every Jew that refuses to denounce Zionism is guilty of the atrocities. And and this is the the root of the argument. And what's interesting is this was sent to me by someone who regularly decries racism, regularly decries discrimination or thoughts, holistic thoughts about groups of people defined only by immutable characteristics and not by their individual deeds. And it's also shocking that there are, you know, Kanye has talked about racism for a long time, but then all of a sudden he's shown up with the White Lives Matter. I mean, you have so many people that seem to want to profiteer off bigotry or decry the horrors, the very real horrors of bigotry, while also embracing the concept of bigotry against other groups. And the thing with Kanye maybe had some bad experiences with some people in the entertainment industry that happened to be Jewish. But the suggestion that those bad experiences are the fault of everyone that is Jewish is insane. And when people speak about Jewish people, they, they it's like a racist, okay? It's like, so we have a criminal incident. And it's, and I want to talk about a criminal incident that was committed by some black men in Palo Alto, I think, yesterday. Uh, but uh, to talk about that incident and then use it as a vehicle to condemn black men generally, well, that's absurd. It's evil. It's awful, right? And, uh, but what's shocking is the same people that would loudly push back against racist rhetoric like that. There are, there are many people who, who would, right? While same, simultaneously condemning people that are ethnically Jewish or religiously Jewish just simply because they share that immutable characteristic with other people that they may or may not disagree with. I mean, these may be phantom ghost evils or actual evils, but it in no way defines Jewish people generally. I mean, that's the whole thing with bigotry, and that's what I always say. You, you hate individually, love holistically. Kanye has brought this upon himself. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Time to bury the tired narrative and uncover stories not typically heard, but stories that need to be heard. Right or wrong, life or death, this isn't your typical law show. This is Big Angry Law with Charles Big Angry Adams on KPRC 950. Now, Charles Adams. So right here in in the South Bay, in Palo Alto, at the Apple Store, on Black Friday, the two African-American gentlemen walk in and violently stole $35,000 worth of merchandise. Video has emerged. And let me say this. I, I mentioned a black men in masks and hoodies. I mentioned their race only as a descriptor. And I'll be very clear. Much like uh, my criticism of Kanye's horrifyingly holistic statements condemning Jewish people based on his alleged bad relationships with people who may or may not be Jewish in the entertainment industry and the stupidity of saying, well, you should condemn all Jews because of these actions of these two individuals. Uh, I think the same math applies to the racists who would see this video of two black men committing a horrifying crime and use it to criticize or condemn other African-American men. But in our, in our current media space, that, that wouldn't be tolerated, right? People would call that immediately for what it is, which would be disgusting racism. But we have seen so many people, and interestingly enough, on the left and the right side of the ideological aisle, because it seems like anti-Semitism is often the only thing people can agree on, uh, strident uh, political ideologues on the far right and the far left. Um, but, I mean, it's just idiocy but anyway these these two men go into this apple store here and then just begin aggressively stealing iphones ipads laptops right and as they're stealing there's this video which again i would play if i was in is on the studio at home um, where they are being threatening to other people where people are discussing whether they should stop them and the Apple employees are just instructing people to back off. And it, it, I mean, literally, someone says, yo, should we stop them or what? It's a customer. And the employee says, let him go. And then you have, you have employees instructing customers, you've got to back up to facilitate these thefts, right? And there, I mean, there's a few things. One, what an insane response, right? to bark at customers and tell them to get out of the way of monsters, right? And, of course, we had a, a district attorney here in the Bay Area for a long time who took the position that theft shouldn't be prosecuted. You've had people like Alexander Ocasio-Cortez suggest 
that people are just stealing for things they need. And the reality is retail theft has skyrocketed out of control and it's become a multi-billion dollar industry that is destroying a number of lives, right? We see businesses closing. And even for Apple, as a shareholder myself, you this, this cost is not borne by the executives, right? It is borne by the stockholders, but more importantly, it's probably more likely borne by the customers because whether it's an increase in insurance costs or a increase in, in just the overall loss by Apple, they're not absorbing that, right? It was kind of like when the Obama administration forced insurers to include certain types of coverage in every policy or force insurers to accept people who with a dire illness who hadn't had coverage that again the evil insurance industry didn't absorb that they just passed it on to us consumers who pay our insurance every month like morons i mean you should have health insurance i pay for mine every month but you know we're the ones that suffer right we're the ones that pay the cost and the customers are paying the cost and this is i think this is a third time in the last six years that this store itself had been robbed uh, the last time they got even more in a similar type of robbery in the time before someone drove into it but the question is where are the police right this isn't a robbery this isn't a walking mall this isn't a robbery that, that it takes and they they saw the vehicle that they drove off on did apple not contact the police are, are we so into this new virtue signaling that is not at all virtuous? It's actually evil because the truth is that these crimes, they allow one of two things. And I wrote about this on the Substack. I talked about how if the murderer of HPD Sergeant Rios, who was found not guilty for the, by reason of self-defense, had HPD arrested him for either of his prior gun violence incidents involving his car in the last year to the, the prior to that incident, well, he probably would have never done what he did that day that killed Sergeant Rios. And you have these thieves that are getting more and more aggressive, bolder and bolder, and you're having two possibilities, right? You're having that they feel that they can commit more and more violent crime without any consequence until someone's dead, or you have citizens or store owners who feel like that they cannot tolerate the lawlessness and they intervene and they respond and then they're looking at criminal charges. We had an interesting case out of the United Kingdom that I want to talk about where a man is getting 22 months in prison. He's been sentenced for chasing town two men who attempted a home invasion at his house. And it's insane. You have a man charged in Dallas with shooting a robber who was brutally beating, I think it was a Dollar General employee. And where he made a mistake is he talked to the police before talking to a lawyer. But you have this, this you know, we have a government and you combine that. And I hear from police officers all the day. I actually talked to a small business owner, a friend of mine, about this absurdly minimal charge that, that was levied against someone who did something horrifying at their business. You have all of these small businesses and these individuals who suffer serious crime and then think, like Harris County intake refusing to take the charges, right? Or police officers refusing to push the charges. And it seems like the new, and that was actually a, 
a a corruption issue in the TV show The Wire, but it was in Baltimore, but it was presented as an absurdity. But now it's very much the reality that instead of fighting crime in Houston, what we're doing and across this country is we're trying to mask crime or ignore it to pretend it doesn't happen so the statistics aren't as bad. And that just says to the average citizen, well, you've just got to deal with it, right? And when the citizen isn't willing to lay down and they deal with it the way they should deal with it aggressively, well, they're looking at incredibly serious criminal charges. When we get back, I want to talk about the United Kingdom case, and then we'll go on to Dallas. We'll be back in just a moment. Y'all stay tuned. This is Big Angry Law on KPRC 950. Thank you for staying tuned. This is Big Angry Radio. There is a story. It's from February of this year, but it is just getting a lot of media attention because it was aired as part of a television program in the United Kingdom, 24 hours in police custody. So this man was sitting at home with his wife and children and in Bedfordshire, UK. So, to be more specific, a 34-year-old man is in a town, a latent buzzard, which is in Bedfordshire, sitting at home with his wife and two kids, small kids, right? And apparently it's a mine and hers. They did not have a kid together. And he has a surveillance system and sees some men attempting to break into his home with bolt cutters and a crowbar. And his wife calls... 999, which is the UK's version of 911. And he goes out there to confront them. And they take off on a, on a stolen motorcycle. So he gives chase. And while chasing them, they make a corner quickly. He makes the corner. They're not wearing helmets. He hits them accidentally. And calls the police, calls the Bedfordshire police who respond. And all of this is recorded on this show, 24 hours in police custody. They even tweet about it, the police department. Adam White is at home with his wife when two men attempt to break into his property. Having spotted them among his home surveillance system, he gets into a car and pursues them. His wife dials 999. Are you watching? Like they're promoting this show, right? These, these out-of-touch, clueless statists, right? And then they, their response was that, you, that victims shouldn't take... Uh, the action, you know, to to do the police function themselves, right? But of course, we're sitting here talking about how both in the United K, United Kingdom and the United States, police aren't fulfilling the police function 
in many parts of both of these countries, right, in an effort to minimize the appearance of crime while not minimizing crime and to leave victims to suffer in some sort of misguided, like I said, non-virtuous virtue signaling. So this man, he, he hits the bike. The two men are injured, and he calls the police and begins telling him. I mean, he was literally sitting at home, an electrician with his wife, his, his, what we now know based on his statements, his wife was pregnant at the time, right? She made a decision, to she's only six weeks pregnant, to terminate the pregnancy because she did not know how they were going to afford to live while he was going to prison. And you're thinking, wait, wait, the guy that chased the robbers that were caught on video trying to break into his home with or into his, his property, I think it was they were going into a barn with weapons, He's going to prison? Well, yes, because the two career criminals, and I say career criminals not lightly, these are kids, these are young men who, not kids, they're in their 20s, who have repeatedly been in trouble. Then they show up with a crowbar and a bolt cutter, right? Well, they got fully suspended sentences. They are on probation for trying to break into a man's house while he's sitting at home having dinner with his wife and two kids after working all day. Now, mind you, this has been devastating to his marriage. It has, obviously, I mean, they've had to move. It's just horrible. And he gets 22 months, 22-month sentence for dangerous driving with great grievous bodily injury. You know, this is a UK charge. And the two bad guys, the two actual bad guys, not the hardworking electrician at home with his wife and kids who gives chase to the bad guys that were trying to get away on the stolen motorcycle, right? Well, they're not going to lock up, but he, he gets 22 months and it destroys him and his wife's life. Now, the episode just aired earlier this week and the public responded in the way uh, public that is just sick and tired and fed up with this new culture of ignoring the needs of victims while ignoring victimizing by criminals. Uh, uh, I think it's like up to 125,000 pounds, which is about $200,000 for his defense and and family's expenses while he's locked up. But just what sort of absurd world are we living in, right? Where a guy is sitting at home with his wife and their two kids, they watch two scumbags. I mean, look, look there. I know it's it's hard for them to report this in the United Kingdom because the 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 defamation laws are absurd. But I'm not in the UK. I'm here, and these guys are are they they made crime their job, and they're trash, and uh, yeah, they were both injured, but not permanently injured, right? I mean, they, they were driving a motorcycle without helmets and they got to drive, you know, fleeing. So they were driving out of control and they got a wreck. This poor guy called the police and it's unfortunate that he didn't talk to a solicitor or an attorney over there first because he basically told them, you know, had he driven off, he'd probably been charged with whatever their equivalent of failure to stop and render aid because they have cameras everywhere. But maybe not, right? Maybe he would have gotten away with the car accident downstream from their attempts to rob him and his family. 
But instead, he did what a good person does, and he called seeking medical assistance and police assistance. And he gets 22 months in prison, 22 months away from his kid, over 22 months away from his stepkid. His wife and he comes to the decision to abort a six-week-old pregnancy because they don't know how they're going to support themselves while he's locked up, which is, I think that's the most heartbreaking portion of this whole story. There's some child, apparently they've been trying to get pregnant for a long time, right? So there's this child that's no longer given the chance to exist because the father got sentenced to prison for going after the bad guys. And how clueless this police department and the media and the many in the UK society and American society have become to the plight of victims that the Bedfordshire police are, are tweeting about it to get people to watch and then don't seem to get, don't seem to grok the fact that people are absolutely horrified. And, and thankfully, GoFundMe was able to, I think, send that message resoundingly that this Stephen White, that he's the victim and that Taylor Benford and Ryan Paul, a couple of 25-year-olds, yeah, the, the Adam White, the one sentenced to 22 months in prison for causing serious injury by dangerous driving. Now he's 34. Father, stepfather. But these two 25-year-old scumbag criminals, well, well, suspended sentence. Poor things. They got hurt. They got hurt running from someone they were trying to rob. And it's just, I mean, it's, we're, we're living in, in incredibly absurd times. Well, these two 25-year-olds, Paul and Benford, deserved every moment. You know what they got? They got 200 hours of community service. That was their sentence. And he got 22 months in the can. I mean, it, it's almost like a black comedy, right? It's it's almost. I mean, it's it, it feels surreal. It feels. It feels. I I don't. And of course, the Bedfordshire police's takeaway, an important reminder that people must not take the law into their own hands. He wasn't. He was just trying to follow them, so eventually, maybe the police would show up and do their damn job. It's just disgusting. You're listening to Big Angry Law on KPRC 
customers to get out of the way for the thieves and told customers who wanted to intercede not to while they made off with $35,000 of equipment that just just harms the the stakeholders, the shareholders of the company, or the customers who pay for the stuff, right? But it, it allows the bad guys to just keep stealing with impunity, right? And apparently they threatened one of the customers with physical violence and I guess allegedly shoved someone. So it's it's a robbery, not a theft. Not that anyone in uh, the Bay Area criminal justice system cares, right? And what shocks me is, you know, so they have their own little police departments like you do in Houston. You know, like I'm in Los Altos, and I saw a Los Altos police officer earlier today. So your response time should be infinitely faster than San Francisco, right? So I don't know how someone can walk around an Apple store grabbing and stealing and cutting stuff and threatening people in a walking mall that they they didn't have to get to the parking lot. But here we are, okay? So then we talk about the guy in the United Kingdom, last segment, who was doing 22 months in prison because he's sitting at home eating dinner with his wife and daughter and his his child and stepchild and his pregnant, at the time, wife. And he gets locked up and gets 22 months in prison because while chasing the home invaders, he, he made a corner and bumped their stolen motorcycle and they got injured in the collision. And... They both got 200 hours community service, and he got career criminals, and he got 22 months. And his wife was six months pregnant when he was sentenced and decided to terminate the pregnancy because she doesn't have the money to continue without him. And had to to lose their house, too. And that is, in a nutshell, the absolute absurdist clown world. And I hate the term clown world, but it's just becoming a clown world where we have decided that the criminal justice reform is just to let the evil and unscrupulous have their way. Well, let's go to Dallas, the great state of Texas that likes to pat itself on the back for being Texas so often. And there's a Dollar General. And there's a man in the Dollar General who has stolen so many times that the employees recognize this 26-year-old Philip Betts as a routine shoplifter at the store. And of course, what was he doing? Well, he was there shoplifting, right? So the manager, literally the the news article, manager recognized Betts as someone who frequently steals. And he had, of course, been stealing. And she asked him to return or to drop the stolen items. Well, instead of just giving her the stuff he was stealing. He decided he would, he, the male, the 26 year old male, would beat up the female manager of the Dollar General. So he started punching her. So another employee maces him, pepper sprays, doesn't phase him. Now, typically, I don't know anything about Betts's mental state, but typically, you know, I didn't carry pepper spray, but a lot of officers I work with did, and when it didn't phase people, it was because they were on some sort of serious narcotic. So he continued to assault the woman or the woman, and Kevin Jackson interceded. A law-abiding citizen carrying a gun fired a single shot from his gun that killed Betts. It's a lawfully possessed gun. 
Now, what is Dallas? Dallas, the same county whose DA has just, he has just decided to, after public pressure, to abandon his policy of not enforcing any theft cases under $750. And what does that lead to? That leads to police not arresting people for misdemeanor theft. And it leads to police ultimately not responding to misdemeanor theft. So it leaves stores like this Dollar General, which is a chain, but there are plenty of mom and pop the stores owned by individuals in Dallas, that they were just tossed aside and left without any recourse when people like this Philip Betts repeatedly stole from them. And they had to engage in self-help. And the kind of monster that just keeps going to a store and stealing over and over again because he realizes he can act with impunity without any police response is also the same type of monster. And despite, you know, like I mentioned, you know, there are some people on the left who want to carry, oh, they're just trying to eat. Retail theft has become a multi-billion dollar organized criminal issue in this country. And Kevin Jackson, who was not related to anyone, he was just a gun-carrying citizen who was watching a thief, a robber, violently beat the female manager of the store, and he interceded and took the, na- the action he thought was necessary because he was concerned for the lives of the two women. And now, that prosecutor that doesn't want to arrest people for theft, he, he abandoned the policy under duress and took the opportunity of the abandonment press coverage to decry the critics of his policy. And then the police confirmed that Betts wasn't armed They also confirmed that he had stolen items on him. So many burglaries at the Dollar General that they had plywood instead of windows and spaces. And, I mean, that's the thing. So we're in this world right now where the police aren't responding to crime. District attorneys aren't accepting charges to mask crime. Officers, so, so the officers non-arrest and non-enforcement of the law of victim crime. Or when they do, when it's so horrific that they do have to act, then the, uh, the state accepting only reduced charges to try to create this patina, this false patina that crime is not at the crescendo that it is by, by dishonestly deflated statistics. But in this social media connected world, We're all seeing viral video after viral video of this wild crime that's just everywhere, right? Of course, I mean, that's why we're talking about the theft at the Palo Alto Apple store. wasn't because the police are like, we've got the bad guys here. No, it's because of viral videos that we're being told by the government not to believe our lying eyes. But in the same vein, the same government, and of course the American government and the United Kingdom government are separate but very similar are saying, you better not engage in self-help. You better not protect yourself. You better not protect those people around you, or you will feel the full weight of the law. And just how absurd is that? Whether it's Mr. White in Bedfordshire doing 22 months, or Mr. Jackson in Dallas looking at the specter of murder for interceding when a man was brutally beating a woman, And the lesson to be learned is just allow yourself and those around you to be victimized if you want to protect yourself from criminal or civil liability. 
But the flip side of that is how do we abandon, I don't want to make this gender specific, but let's be real, right? As a man, how do you sit there and watch another man beat a woman bloody while trying to steal from the store she manages? Should Mr. of Jackson just ignored it? Or should he have risked his own safety by trying to engage the man that was 20 years his junior, the criminal, the repeat regular criminal that's 20 years his junior with his hands? I think that very suggestion, that premise is absurd. I think when Bet saw the gun, he should have put his hands up and got on his knees. And I think maybe we're sending the wrong message to criminals right now. That, hey, if someone kills you, well, they'll most certainly get charged. If someone hurts you, well, they'll most certainly get charged. So you just go just go about criming because, you know, the police probably aren't going to respond. And if they do, the prosecutor will probably give you a nonsense charge. Because it's all about the appearance, not about the reality. And the reality is people are enduring horrifying crime. They're enduring horrifying crime here in the San Francisco area. But we're also enduring it in Houston and in Dallas. And it's past time for us to be tolerant of it. And I mean, I, I regularly talked about the needs for transparency and accountability for police malfeasance, the need for cameras, the need to greatly adjust and end major portions of the war on drugs. But we need to get serious about victim crime in this country right now. You're listening to Big Angry Law on KPRC 950. the psychedelic first pretty in pink would be appropriate for this story i want to talk about samuel brinton who is on leave from the department of energy although the government won't say whether that's leave with or without pay he is the deputy assistant secretary for spent fuel and waste disposition so i mean an important job deputy assistant secretary of anything, but Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Department of Energy during an energy crisis seems like an incredibly important position. And there have been a lot of talk about Mr. Britton. He is the one that was into the, I guess, teaching or partaking in dog sex play. Not sex with dogs, but men that dress like dogs and then are treated as canines in a sexualized bondage type of manner with, I guess, other men or, or women. Um, and apparently he taught that. And he famously, I mean, uh, most of y'all have seen his picture. He's got a shade bald head like mine and a little goatee and mustache, but with bright red lipstick and, and heels and dresses. 
and you know he's he's not trans he's not a trans woman he is a non-binary person a they them and a lot of the criticism about him was that he wasn't qualified for the deputy assistant secretary position and that it was a virtue signal that he was given the job simply because it gave the Biden administration the opportunity to say this is the first high-ranking non-binary official much like I believe it was a captain in the army who was the first trans officer in the military and then was immediately arrested for espionage. Uh, and there was a lot of question about whether or not this person's promotion was tied to the, uh, the, the promotion within the military, not necessarily to the rank of captain, but uh, their job scope was tied to the fact that the Biden administration wanted to be able to hold them up as a, again, as a virtue signal um, without the, the substance. And that was the criticism of Samuel Brenton made by many people, uh, either anonymously or those that were brave enough to be vocal about it in public, about his appointment. Right. It, was, it was an appointment and that it was done of someone that was not qualified simply because of his non-binary status or they their is that pronounced their non-binary status and and of course i think that most certainly somebody's sexuality or gender identity should absolutely not preclude them from any type of employment and i think that it is very easy to conjure up the, the horrible specter of homophobia and transphobia that is replete in the Republican Party's most loudest voice, or the loudest voices of the GOP. And I think that's awful. But I also think it's awful to give people jobs that they haven't earned and they don't deserve, whether it's they're a legacy or nepotism or whatever, but most certainly not because of a virtue signal. Well, it turns out the critics of Mr. Brenton were right. There is video of him, allegedly, at the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport stealing a woman's luggage with valued at $2,325 worth of uh, luggage and contents. And he has been charged with that. He was traveling from Washington, D.C. to Minnesota. And there's security cameras of him grabbing the bag and taking off the tag and hurrying away. So this wasn't merely a mistake. Oh, I took the wrong bag. There's camera footage of him taking the tag off it. And then when the police contacted him, he confirmed it. If I had taken the wrong bag, I'm happy to return it, but I don't have any clothes for another individual. That was my clothes when I opened the bag, he claimed. He then, I guess not talking to a lawyer, then later conceded uh, that day, but later, that he was not completely honest and he had taken the bag because of tiredness. It's never because he's a lying scumbag thief, right? It's, that's not ever the case with criminals. But the problem is, if you're on video destroying the, the identifying tag of the bag, right, and we're supposed to believe it was a woman's bag, that y'all somehow just had the same clothing? No. This guy, this person, is a thief. He's a thief who, who, you know, aggressively responded. Here's a quote. 
There have been a lot of people who are quite upset that don't think I'm quite as qualified as others. I respond with multiple graduate degrees from MIT, a decade of working in nuclear policy, and the strongest enthusiasm for working in nuclear waste out of anybody. But the truth is, he wasn't as qualified as other people that would be would be considered for the job and his peers. And, and, and we all know that the appointment and what the Biden administration is prone to do, and, I, and I'd love to get to an America that's past that, right? An America that that doesn't exclude someone from consideration because of having a non-traditional gender identity or being trans, but also, on the flip side, doesn't include people for gender or race identity. For you know, as I, it, I was talking to a, a college student who was talking about a, a white, red-headed classmate who clearly just isn't covering at this elite academic institution isn't is it making it and there was a lot of other students that wondered why well because apparently there is a claim of an ethnicity that is completely belied by appearance and and of course it shouldn't be that right there are people of all races that have unique stories that are struggled that had to overcome incredible adversity and should be given special attention by admissions committees at elite institutions, right? And it probably will require digging because a lot of people are unscrupulous in their willingness to now lie about their ethnicity or lie about their background or lie about their, you know, we've incentivized lying about being a member of the LGBT community or lying about your ethnic heritage to gain admission to places that you didn't earn admission to because now we're an anti-meritocracy and we're just, we're just checking boxes. And we just check boxes, and they're not boxes that people earned or boxes that people deserve to have checked for them, and you abandon merit. And, of course, the flip side is, well, this, this, this isn't fair. It was exclusionary. It's gatekeeping. And I do agree with that to, to an extent, but I don't think it should be done based on immutable characteristics. It should be done about life experiences, and it's going to require people to dig far deeper. But bigotry and bias and discrimination are just so much easier, Right. And it's horrible when the Republicans do it, but it's equally horrible when the Democrats do it. And the fact that this Britain fellow is caught on video stealing luggage, removing the tag, lies to the police, charged with a felony. If he's actually still getting paid by the federal government, that's absolutely disgusting. And of course, it should be on the front page of all the newspapers and it should be on the front. I mean, he's a deputy assistant secretary of the energy department during an energy crisis. It should be a big deal. But, of course, in our new age of virtue signaling media, well, it's a big deal to all the conservative media spaces, but it's absolutely ignored by all the mainstream, which are left-wing media spaces. And wouldn't it be nice if media just got back to journaling, right, to providing unbiased accounts of what occurred and what should be done, and or not what should be done, but what could be done, what the options are, instead of trying to push a narrative? I don't know. All of this crime, all of this crime, at least someone got arrested in this incident that wasn't trying to stop crime. But it's all incredibly disheartening. And it suggests the, the wheels are falling off, the, the car is running off the rails, and everything is going to hell in a handbasket. And I don't know what can be done about it, but I know that it truly breaks my heart. And I would suggest to all of y'all, protect the ones you love. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.